The morning of January 2nd was inhospitable, humid, cold, breezy, what soldiers called Fort Bragg miserable. I paced in a circle outside the shadows of the pine trees lining the edge of the airstrip at Pope Air Force Base. Nearby, Pablo and Norwood grabbed what sunlight was available. We were dressed in jungle fatigues and boots, garbed too thin to ward off the cold. I stuffed my hands in my pockets and stomped my feet. At least, I thought, over there my fingers won't be numb. It seemed since enlisting, I'd continually been subjected to extremes, cold or hot, never mild. Upwind, those who smoked lit up. J.V. fired up a camel and used the cigarette as a pointer to emphasize what he was saying. Whatever he said raised laughter among the others. I halfway wished I smoked to help pass the weight, congregate with them, socialize. There was the gray haze overhead and the cloud of my own misgivings. I'd begun to second-guess my decision. Wondered if the others did. The longer the delay, the more doubt whittled away at me. The Dom Rep was now at peace, a struggling democracy reassembling its society. They played baseball, revered Joe DiMaggio and Mickey Mantle. I could have enjoyed an easy six months and drawn per diem pay, tanning myself on the beaches and watching kids hitting a ball with a bat. And there were women, sensuous, dark-eyed, brown-skinned women. And still, I was anxious to blow the scene, cut out, get gone. I looked from plane to ground to nearest man, stomped my feet again and shivered, only seconds later to repeat these actions. I spit on the frost-laced pine needles just to break up the routine. This was the captain's first full command, and a near fervor for the job glistened in his eyes. He drifted from man to man, appealing for patience. Eventually, he sidled up beside me and told me to relax. It was January. The pine trees, sparkling with frost, told of it, and we were dressed up in baggy cotton fatigues meant for tropics. Relax was not in the cards. He pointed to my head, asked again if I was all right. Was I all right atop my head or in it? I removed my beret to show the stitches were gone. Only a thin line of scab remained, and hair was already growing over it. He grinned, as if to suggest it could have been worse. You'll be doing a different kind of fighting from now on, he said in an agreeable way. Yes, sir. I thought, should I say I didn't fight for fun? That I wasn't wild? That it just appeared that way? Tell him that ever since I could remember, a hell dog's been chasing my tail. Tell him I was a weed, scolded, battered, demeaned, and handed responsibilities beyond my years. That I had too keen a sense of justice, and once took on two bullies who'd hectored another boy on the school bus, did so because if not me, no one else would. Not the bus driver, not Ralph Leno, a football teammate who'd also witnessed the bullying. It was justice at the cost of a broken nose and black eyes. No, I didn't tell him any of it. We were men and didn't talk about such matters. I'll be fine, sir, I said. He smiled again. I returned the smile and watched him walk away. A moment later, the C-130's turbos sputtered and coughed to life. 
The exhaust poured a plume of black smoke under the wings. Time to blow this hole. Turn on the heater in that shiny bird. The exhaust smoke turned white, and the loadmaster gave the signal. We gathered up our rucksacks and weapons and clambered up the tailgate and into the belly of the plane. It was one of the few times I'd boarded a military plane without wearing a parachute. I felt a little naked as I strapped in. Our destination? A three-day trip away. Every butt-sore mile of it suffered on a nylon seat in the cramped bay of a cigar-shaped aluminum fuselage. But the plane had a heater. A good one.